Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Episode 86 of Blue Jays Nation Radio, the only podcast that does not know which hand Shohei Otani throws with. Yeah, we learned something new this weekend, which is yeah. that Shohei Otani is not a left-handed pitcher. So the Blue Jays now can't trade for him because he doesn't fill the need of left-handed pitcher in their rotation. He's a left-handed bat, which is fine. That helps. But no more right-handed pitchers. Can't make the trade. No, no. Even if it's like, whatever, <laughs> just Groshan's going the other way. You just, you don't touch him. You need a lefty pitcher. And yeah, like that. I, I wouldn't even do just Bradley Zimmer straight up because we don't need another right-handed pitcher. <laughs> I'd only do it for the left-handed pitcher. That's that's the only reason I wanted to do it. If you're doing it in a deal, if it's Otani for Zimmer straight up, it's because you want Otani to fill Zimmer's like void. Like it's just like, hey, no, he's our defensive outfielder. He doesn't pitch. He's not. Yeah. Can you imagine if the Jays acquired Otani and we're like, he's done pitching. He's a hitter. He's not, he's not even a hitter. He's a defensive replacement yeah. for the late innings and a base runner. <laughs> and then they make him pitch left-handed to fulfill like our desire, but it's a lefty out of the bullpen. Ah, there we go. Wouldn't Very that be, weird rule. That's, that's the next step, isn't it? Like Otani's here, you know, second coming to Babe Ruth, the guy who's hitting and pitching. The next step is having like a left fielder who's also your closer. So like ninth inning, he runs in from left field instead of the bullpen. And just like in, we know when you play when you're like 12 years old, the guy, Call him it. Yeah, come warm up. He gets eight warm up pitches, and then it's like, all right, he's good to go. He's our closer. How did they? How would they do the rule if? Because remember, there was a while there in the National League when teams would bring in a reliever, and then rather than taking them out of the game, they'd stash them in left field and bring in like a loogie to face a lefty or whatever, and then bring the pitcher back in. Would that be affected now by the three guy rule? So if a pitcher comes in, can you shift him back to left field and pitcher and back and forth between batters still? Cause I always thought that was a great strategy. I always loved that personally seeing a guy go and just stand in the outfield for one guy and then come back in. That's great. Yeah. The Rays did it a little bit too, actually. Yeah. Right. Cause they were like, throwing, the Rays were doing that. they threw one of their pitchers like at third base. And I think, I think I, maybe I'm misremembering, but I think there was even a clip where like the other team like bunted or like hit one to third base and the guy had to like make a play. <laughs> Do you imagine you just have this like very good reliever who blows his arm out, making it like a barehanded play on the infield. Or just throwing a cannon from left field. It's Tommy John. And then you're down just like a good reliever. <laughs> all because of nonsense. Uh, all right. We should uh, stop putting off the fact that the Blue Jays had a series against the New York Yankees that they lost. Yes. And I mean, we were 
this was very close to being one of the more miserable podcasts we've ever done. Um, like they split a series against the Orioles, then had to go take on the best team in baseball, the New York Yankees, as much as we may not like to admit it. Um, and game one, they get the absolute piss beaten out of them. Game two, they can't piss a drop offensively. And then finally in the series finale, they gave us a good moment. Yeah, I think honestly, if you look at it big picture, like you and I came into this, I think mentally preparing ourselves for a sweep, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what we thought was going to happen. We were, we, we said, said if loud. they didn't get swept, we'd consider it a win, I think, right? Yeah, that's what we said. You'd win one game and that's a win. I think the game they did win makes it feel like the biggest win because now they get to, you know, jump on a plane to Chicago and feel pretty good. Whereas if, you know, you had to get on that airplane and go to a road series, having just been swept by the Yankees. And the third game looked like it was going to be a route as well. It looked like the Yankees are on their way to winning like eight, three yeah. or something like that. And then they pull off the comeback and that's a huge game changer. It makes the Yankees, it shows the Yankees. They're not unbeatable though. They are 48 and 16 or sorry. No, they're, they're, they're 49 and 16. It's 49 and 17 now. Okay. So they're, they're, they're pretty much unbeatable, but it, 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 it makes them feel like they're not a little bit because otherwise they would have executed not just a three game sweep over the Jays, but a six game sweep over the Jays and Rays. It, it really is like as much as it nause, it's nauseating to pump their tires because they certainly don't need it. They're not likable in any way. Um, but it is impressive to see what they've done here so far this season, like the record, the run differential, the teams they've been beating, the way they've been beating those teams. You mentioned they've taken five of their last six from the Jays and the Rays. Those are two teams who we thought would be right up there contending for this division lead. And it's really through no fault of the Jays or Rays that they aren't contending for a division lead. It's just that the Yankees have been head and shoulders above everyone else, not just in this division, but in the American League as a whole. Like if the Jays were in the AL Central with this record, they would be one game back of Minnesota. If the Jays were in the AL West with this record, they would be three games three back, back of Houston. Yeah, Houston. Like they'd be in the hunt for the other two divisions and they're just not even close. Like it's not even something we're really discussing at this point, just because they're in the same division as the Yankees. Uh, but you're right. That third game, getting a win like that, that, that has you walking away from that series feeling good. And it has me wondering slash hoping if maybe they can use this as a bit of a rallying point. If this kind of gets them going, I think this is a team that as much as people may not want to believe that momentum carries over from game to game in professional sports or things like that. I think this Jays group, when they're confident, that plays a role in them being a good baseball team. I think when they get going and they're loose in the dugout and feeling good, I think it shows in their on-field play. Yeah, definitely. And that's why it was key to pick up that win on Sunday so that you're, you're moving into now a six game road trip where you're playing the Chicago White Sox and Milwaukee Brewers, both of which are, they're pretty good teams. The White Sox are underachieving. I've said many times before, I think they're frauds, but they're fine. You know, you're going to go up against three good starting pitchers and the same thing in Milwaukee. Like that's a solid team. That's a playoff team, one with good pitching. So you'd much rather the Jays go into that feeling good after hitting a grand slam and a three run home run to pull off a huge comeback against a team on pace to win like a hundred and 29 games they're gonna be feeling good about it they're gonna be cocky as fuck rolling into chicago and like you said that's what you want from the jays that's when they play their best is either they're cocky as fuck or they're pissed off one or the other Mm -hmm. so let's get into three up three down then and we're gonna start with the up i think because you know that that last game was definitely a bit of a vibe there was a lot of good stuff going on it starts with that vladdy dinger but our first up is gonna be lourdes guriel who for the second straight season has hit a clutch grand slam if you think back to that comeback victory over the oakland a's last august i believe it would have been 
Um, but Gurriel, I mean, again, we've talked about him and joked about it before. Like when he's hot, he's the key to this lineup. And that certainly came through. He goes one for four. He hits a grand slam. He single-handedly put them back in that baseball game. Yeah, I think that I'm I'm trying to find the the split on this for Guriel, but I'm pretty sure he has like all-time good numbers with the bases loaded. Like the GOAT with the bases loaded is Pat Tabler, weirdly enough, like an all-time clutch hitter who had like a 500 batting average with the bases loaded, but Guriel is like way up there. He like every like if, if there's ever a situation where you have the bases loaded and you want someone to come up on the blue days, it's Guriel, which is so funny because sometimes you'll see him just take like in situations where there's like a guy on second or something like that, he'll put together just the last at bat you want to see just long swing strikeout, this and that. But then all of a sudden the bases are loaded. Everything just clicks in and you're like, this guy's a lock to either hit a bomb or hit a double. And <laughs> it was just like when he came up with the bases loaded, it kind of seemed like, you know what? Yeah. Like they're probably going to hit a grand slam here. And then he did. And then he flips the bat and it's just, it's, it's like an all time good bat flip. It was nice in that game all told, like both teams were doing bat flips and neither team got pissy about it. It was, it was nice to see that. The only people who got pissy about it were Yankees fans on Twitter, which is still yeah, hilarious. Of course. They're, uh, and the funny thing about Yankees fans is they're having this season, but they're still spazzing out about shit online. Like there was that guy <laughs> that um, I think it was after the Yankees won their second game on Saturday, maybe when they were winning on Sunday, I don't know, but he took a, a screenshot picture of Vladdy celebrating that, uh, that win earlier in the season when he made a nice play at first base to get the final out of the game. And he's like, since the blue Jays celebrated winning the world series in April, the Jays have gone so-and-so pretty good record. Meanwhile, the Yankees have gone like 40 and 10. It's like, dude, you're on pace for like a historically good season. And you're worried about the Jays celebrating a win in April. What the fuck is wrong with you? How miserable are you people? And it's also a little like pot calling the kettle black. Like I had no problem with really anything Josh Donaldson did in that baseball game. Like you want to freak out after getting hit by a pitch, like go ahead. I thought the funny part was John Schneider laughing at him from the bench. Um, And then Josh Donaldson rightfully comes up the next day being pimps his home run. Like, yeah, man, you do that. Go right ahead. And I have no problem with it because I absolutely love I've watched the Teoscar Hernandez home run eight times because I think the bat flip is just a thing. It's a piece of art, man. I love that. Um, so I just think it's weird how Yankees fans like, oh, and it's their guys doing it. It's like, oh yeah, like we're the Yankees. And then another team does it to them. And they're like, oh my God. Oh my God. Cause they're, they're still like super worked up about the home run jacket. There, there was one other post on Twitter where, where a guy showed and he's like, the Blue Jays hitting a home run versus the Yankees hitting a home run. The Blue Jays pictures them putting on the jacket and having fun. And the Yankees home runs, just going to Giancarlo Stanton looking pissed off. It's like, okay. (laughs) what <laughs> so weird man i mean the organization has a rule about like what kind of haircut you can get so it's it shouldn't be surprising that their fans are just kind of all all-time bad vibes yeah uh so anyways guriel is our first up um because i mean the home run like we're not sitting here having a even remotely close to a positive podcast if it's not for lordis guriel jr going deep in the sixth inning uh the second up we have is the other man who ultimately came through and drove in the winning run and that was teoscar hernandez a guy who He's he's been struggling like this isn't been a classic Teoscar Hernandez silver slugger all star game kind of year. Right. He's batting 247 so far through 162 ABs, but he's starting to get going in the right direction. And I'm really, again, hoping that that home run, much like I hope it sparks the entire team here for the next two weeks. I'm really hoping it sparks Teoscar Hernandez because he's a guy who can be frustrating when he's struggling. The strikeouts really, really go up. Um but when he's going again, you talk about a guy like a Gurriel who's in the middle of this lineup 
and is just so important to this this cycle for the Jays, their offensive cycle really getting going, right? Well, John for Hernandez is the injury that he suffered is one that tends to nag for a long period of time. So he goes on the injured list early in the season and he misses just under a month with the oblique injury. And the thing with obliques is, you know, that can go on for a good chunk of the season, if not the whole season. And he came back pretty quick given, given what the injury was, but after kind of a slow go in May where he kind of had a difficult time getting it together through the month of June, he's done quite well, 329 batting average, 600 slugging percentage OPS of 973, four dingers, uh, the strikeout to walks aren't fantastic, 18 to five, but yeah. that's who he is as a hitter. You see the power coming around. That's what you see in the 600 slugging percentage, and that's key. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there isn't really much reason to worry about Teoscar at all. Like, I, I saw some people being kind of like, oh, it's like he's gone back to what he was before he went down to Buffalo in 2019. No, yeah. he's obviously not you know, he hasn't suddenly just forgotten how to hit. It's, it's, it's a health and injury related thing. If he's, he's obviously not at a hundred percent right now, might not be for the entirety of the season, but he's showing during this stretch in June that he can put it behind him and, and be the hitter he was before. Yeah. If people are like worried that he's all of a sudden going to be a replacement level player for the blue Jays. No, I don't think you've been watching this team very long. Um, and again, just really for me, it's about hoping this team can get going here and give us, you know, kind of like they did, I guess a month ago, but a, a two week run where they show that they're capable of being a top 10, top five team in baseball. Right. I, I shouldn't say that they are a top 10 team in baseball. They go on a run here where they show us they can be a top five team in baseball. And if you can go, yeah take care of business against the White Sox. You got the Brewers coming up on the weekend, but then if you can really sort of hit your peak for that three, six game run against the Rays and the, uh, and the Red Sox, that would be well, ideal in an ideal time to hit your stride. Coomzy. That'd be fantastic. It'd be nice to see them go on a big rip. Uh, the third up we had is uh, again, we're sticking in that third game, man, because yes. we're just, we're zeroing yes. in on that moment of this series, but Jordan Romano coming in and giving this team five outs and it wasn't, no, it wasn't exactly pretty. He had a walk. He gave up a hit, but he came through and gave them five huge outs. And you could tell how badly they wanted to win that game because they went to Romano for five outs. Yeah, he was Jordan Romano came in with a big dick performance. And that's exactly what they needed because the bullpen did not look good. Like as, as soon as Kikuchi came out of the game, it was OK. We're going to have to clear like a lot of innings with not a lot of arms right now. And nobody really looked good. Like Jimmy Garcia looked good. Jimmy Garcia was fine. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, with him, it's always, it's yeah. always shaky. It's always a roller coaster. You know, things can go sideways so fast. Um, Simber didn't look great either. Um, Max Castillo comes in, makes his first, uh, <laughs> he makes his big league debut, allows a couple of bombs, but Romano comes in, pulls off five outs against the Yankees. That's pretty impressive. I mean, the Yankees are a very, very, very good team with the bat. Like no one's an easy out on that, on that team. Even though you look at the roster and there's some guys where you're like, Oh yeah, this guy should be an easy, an easy out, but they never are. And then he goes and strikes out to the judge strikeout specifically was that was exciting because you might remember uh, Romano did have a blown save in which judge blasted a walk off three run home run off of him, And that ball was hit, you know, 700 feet. So it was a little worrying seeing judge come to the plate and being like, Oh fuck, this could happen again. And Yankees fans were all posting like, Oh yeah, judge versus Romano last time. So it was great to see Romano kind of get that strike out of judge. And that's important. But also one interesting thing to note is we haven't seen much Jordan Romano recently. Like this was the first really like high pressure save situation. I can remember him being in, in like, a few weeks because over the month of June, he's only pitched on uh, June 7th, a huge win against Kansas city. 
just kind of a get in their game and then doesn't pitch again until June the 12th against Detroit. That's again, a nothing game. And then he got into the Baltimore game, the one they won seven, six with the bloody walk off. And then it's uh Sunday's game 19. So he's only pitched four times in June. And so we're on June 20th no, now. So, I mean, yeah, that's, but to be fair, yeah. we did bitch about his workload earlier in the season. Oh, yeah. So it is nice that he's getting a bit of a break, but again, much like I talked about Guriel getting going, Hernandez getting going, it would be nice if over the course of the next, 10 days here, we get six good Jordan Romano outings because he should be rested yeah. and it should be something he's kind of his body's ready to do. Right. Yeah, I think I think I think the the point that I'm slowly getting at here <laughs> very much so rapidly, but the point that I'm getting at is it's it's kind of nice that he had that little chill stretch in June and then still shows out of that. Like, OK, like the Blue Jays still have an elite closer. The Jays have a guy that can come in and record five outs against the Yankees and pick up a win. That's that's yeah. that's nice to see. Yeah, it is. Um, And again, if we're going to transition this into the downs, this team needs to get a bullpen arm. I mean, I just when yeah. we should I should almost go back and cut up different segments of a the podcast from a year ago today, because it'd be a similar conversation. But also our podcast from like six weeks ago when the offense wasn't going, but the bullpen looked great. And we're like, this time oh, my last God. year. Literally yeah. like one year ago today when we were talking, the Jays were just blowing leads nonstop. Like it's, it's the same story, man. Like I thought starting pitcher was their number one need. I don't know. Maybe it's the bullpen. Maybe. Yeah. And if you think Nate Pearson is going to be a solution, he's not. Nope. <laughs> uh, Pearson threw, what was it? Two pitches in his rehab game in Buffalo and went, yeah. walked off the field with the trainer. Um, we don't know anything about the injury, so I shouldn't even like really like throw this out there. But like, there's a part of me that's like, are we ever going to see him pitch for the Jays, or is this going to be a guy that they just sell off at the deadline to get a reliever and cut losses with? Yeah, it's it's honestly really hard to say. Like, he's on the 60 day injured list right now, so he's not a roster spot. But this 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 almost seems to be coming like a Dustin McGowan situation, where you're like, you know what? When this guy's healthy, he's going to be so good, and he just isn't just isn't healthy it just doesn't it's really happen and it sucks it's really sad because i don't know he's been such an electric arm he could be so good you see it like we've seen instances in the big league where nate pierce pitches and he looks phenomenal um and you know i think we've probably all let go of the idea of him being a starter let alone like a top end starter but i think now we're kind of all like you know what he can be a good bullpen arm so the expectations are very tamed but even then it's hard to imagine him putting together a fully healthy season and that's why personally, like I, I at no point really this season have I viewed like Nate Pearson as the solution to yeah. really any problem. They're going to have to go out and trade for bullpen arms to make their bullpen better starter to make their rotation better. That's just how it is. Yeah. And it's a shame because we, we had those fantasies, those visions of him being an Aaron Sanchez type for this team over the course of a playoff run, right? Where he can be a reliable out of the bullpen fireballer. And it's just Mm -hmm. right now, it's hard to envision a scenario where even eight weeks from now, you know, if we get into end of August, I just can't see Pearson being that guy. I hope I'm wrong, but it's just, it's hard to, hard to imagine that. Uh, Let's get into the down segment of three up three down. And we're going to start with game one, which was just ugly from the jump. The Jays lose the game 12, three, just a ton of home runs. It was the Yankees doing their thing. Um, Not great. I mean, yeah, just that. Yeah. That was a game where you could just see how good the Yankees actually are. Like I thought Ross Stripling pitched quite well. 
I thought he was putting his pitches in good spots. They were, you know, moving and breaking. He looked very effective. He looked like he was pitching largely how he had pitched in those two previous starts where he only scattered two hits over like 11 innings or whatever it was. And he only winds up going three and two thirds, allows two earned runs and five hits and two walks. And it's just like, man, the Yankees lineup is a gauntlet. And then, you know, they come in and face the back end of Toronto's bullpen, Trent Thornton. Um, <laughs> Trevor Richards has completely fallen off a cliff. Yeah, which I did not see coming this no. year. Like he was so reliable for them last season. And it, I I don't know, it just feels like every time he comes in, he's getting lit up, man. Yeah, like I'd say he's on the injured list right now with, uh, it's funny he goes on with a neck injury because it's everybody made the joke that his neck got whiplash from watching all the balls sail to the park. But he's honestly like on the, given what we've seen from the bullpen right now, I can't think of too many guys that I'd want to see out there less in like a key situation than Richards. And that's unfortunate because he was really good last year. Like I'd rather see Trent Thornton used in a high leverage spot. But, but even that, like, and I get that he bounced back and he, he went two innings um, in the second game and looked good. But like, remember a month ago and we were like, wow, even Trent Thornton's being a good part of this bullpen. Who would have saw this coming? And now he's just like getting his shit lit up. He yeah. gets up five runs. We can't let we can't let Trent, Trent Thornton fool us. Every once in a while, he'll go eight consecutive innings over four outings and not allow a hit. And we're like, "Holy shit, this guy's legit!" And then you realize, okay, never mind. It was against Kansas City and Detroit. Let's calm down. <laughs> yeah, not good. Um, so that just a mess in the first game. You you ball it up, throw it out. In the second game, it was an ump show. But yeah. I just want to talk about how much I love the quick moment where Montoyo's going out to argue with the first base ump and Montoyo crosses his arms to kind of like mock him and do like the mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, tough guy. Like I can cross my arms, too. I just think that was so good, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's fun seeing Charlie become like very fiery this season. He's been kicked out of four games now. What he got kicked out for this time was embarrassing. Like the Yankees hitter just completely goes around, does a full swing, gets hit. And they just give him first base. And Montoya just comes up and he's like, what the fuck is that? Like you just called the wrong thing. That's not even close to right. What are you doing? And he gets booted for that, which I think is some bullshit. But it's just, it's good to see him going out and defending his guys, though. Because I remember that was something he got criticized so much for in those first few seasons. They're like, oh, man, this manager is so like laid back and doesn't give a fuck. Like they need someone to go out there and spaz. And I agree. I, I, I personally love when a manager goes out and spazzes out. I don't know if it really matters. I think it does. I think it makes a difference. I think the players like that. I think they like seeing it. I think yeah. they'd be pissed off if he didn't in that situation, didn't go out and get the boot. Like I think Alec Manoa, if you're, if you're him and your manager doesn't come out and stand up for you in that situation, I think you feel kind of shitty about it. Yeah. So it's nice seeing Charlie do that. Yeah, it was good. Positive. Um, the third down is, and this probably ties into what we're talking about next, which is trade targets, but uh, Kikuchi. Aye, aye, aye. Yeah. You gave this guy three years. Who? Yeah, we, uh, this is, it's turned into, um, I don't know if I want to say it just yet, but it's eerily similar to Tanner Rourke's situation with the $12 million annual salary. It's supposed to be a four or five guy reliable arm, but man, he just looks, there was a period there where he looked quite good and he was getting the job done. But now it's just like, man, like why don't you throw your fastball and just throw it for a strike? But then the worry is, okay, if this guy chucks his fastball, it's just going to get launched out of the park. So who knows what you do with Kikuchi, but it's, it's, it's kind of gotten to a point now where the idea of seeing this guy pitch in a key game in September is very off-putting. So it seems they kind of have two open spots in the rotation. You'd like to see them deal with. 
I think it was our boy Brennan uh, Brennan Delaney who has like the little meter for Kikuchi, where it's like <laughs> Ray's on the left side in the good part and Rourke's on the right side in the bad part. And uh, yeah, lately it's been more on the Rourke side of that meter yeah, for Kikuchi. It has. Uh, and yeah, like that's just. Again, yeah, it feels like the Rourke thing where like you bring in this guy, you give him the years, you give him the money and you go, okay, we've solidified the back end of our rotation. You know, your fifth guy pitches more or less just as much as your first and second guys. It's important to shore that up and have like stability back there. And you pay a premium to get a guy like Kikuchi to fill that hole for you. And it just has not gone that way at all. When you when you watch Kikuchi pitch now, uh, there's something that exists in the back of the mind. You saw the Justin Verlander thing, right? Oh my God, don't even go yeah. here. So Justin Verlander, there's a big uh, feature on him at ESPN and they're talking about, you know, he's uh, like a sub two ERA at the age of 39 after missing basically two full years with Tommy John. He comes back now and he's just killing it. He looks as good as he ever has in his career. And he says in this post, the... Uh, the Astros were the number one. He'd like to stay where he was, but they disappeared for a bit and they didn't seem to be in the mix at the beginning of free agency. And at that time, the Blue Jays were his top choice and the other team pushing were the Yankees. And he wasn't particularly interested in joining the Yankees for whatever reason. So <laughs> the Blue Jays and Astros made the exact same offer for, for Lander. and he winds up in Houston and you got to think now, okay, you're Gabe 36 mil to Kikuchi. Maybe you should have just given all that to Verlander for one year. 36 mil to Verlander and just, just yeah. roll with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, been, it's, it's hard to say though. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe if they had signed Verlander, there's no Gosman. Yeah. And that's, and that's where I was going to go with that. It's like hindsight 2020. Yeah. If you could right now give 36 million to Verlander instead of the three-year deal to Kikuchi, it's a no brainer. But in the moment, the trickle down effect of getting Verlander may have led to some other decisions being made. And that always makes you wonder. Um, we hit on the Pearson injury already they need a bullpen arm cam and Jim Bowden at the athletic has his first kind of deadline trade targets piece out. He has 125 names on there. That's insane. Oh, yes. um, we're That's not going to get through all of those, but I want to start with the starting pitchers he has on this list. And there's a total of 20 of them. Um, I think, you know, there's a part of us that would like to see them go out and add a lefty arm, right? So, if, so if you're looking at the lefty arms on his list at the top is, uh, and they're in no order, I guess it's just an alphabetical order, but, uh, Madison Bumgarner, you got Kyle Freeland of the Rockies and that's pretty much it. Wade Miley, Mike Miner, um, and Jose Quintana, Drew Smiley. That's your, that's your crew. Martin there. Perez as well for oh, the Rangers. Sorry, Martin. Who's Perez. been shockingly good. So when you look at that crew of lefties, that's listed there, um, obviously the sexiest name of the bunch is Bumgarner because of what he's done in the playoffs, but I'm not touching that money. Like as, as you know, interesting as the name is like, no, you're not paying. Or even if they keep that much money, I'm just, that's probably a non-starter. Um, which one of those jumps off the page to you though? It was actually Bumgarner for me because really? the money's so, the money's so messed up that maybe you could get Arizona to give you something to take the money off their books. Cause they're a pretty cheap organization, right? They're not a, an LA Dodgers or someone who's going to swallow that that money. So, you know, maybe that's possible, but I mean, I don't know. Bumgarner at this stage in his career kind of sucks. He was signed in the same off season as Hyunjin Ryu and just about every pitching contract handed out in that group. 
save for Zach Wheeler's and potentially Garrett Coles has kind of gone sideways. Uh, I think at this point you kind of just wait and see about a month from now, which one of these kind of rando guys is performing well, like is Martin Perez has a two one eight ERA pitching for the Rangers all of a sudden completely random. Like Jose Quintana has been good this year too. He has been bad for like five years and now all of a sudden he's good. And it's like, okay, um, <laughs> these guys going to continue being good into July. And I think you just kind of wait and see, and then maybe what makes the most sense is which one of these teams is also willing to give up like a left-handed bat that gets on base and you kind of do two birds, one stone. Like last year it was Adam Simber and Corey Dickerson build the two needs together and you look to make kind of a bigger deal. I think that probably makes the most sense. Yeah, and I mean, the Jays gave up a lot in that Simber uh, Dickerson deal, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they gave up Joe Panic and somebody who was ranked... I don't know. I don't number remember nine, who it number was. 93 on their, on their farm list, a name that I, neither of us could pull off the top of our heads. And if you, if you do know the name of the player in this trade, then that's impressive. You're, you're a real blue Jays prospects guy or gal. Uh, yeah. Uh, Bumgarner. I don't know. Like I do agree that you wait and see a little bit on the starter, like a bullpen arm. I want them to go get yesterday. Like yeah. why don't waste time. Like go get that. That is actively yeah, it it's going to cost you some wins in the next 40 days up until the deadline. If you don't just go solve it quickly with the pitcher, I do think you can kind of wait a little bit just because it's not, it's a need, but it's not on the same level as a bullpen. In my opinion, like you still have three good starters, right? Mm-hmm. Stripling's pitching well. So you Stripling's have, done well too. Yeah, so it's so like you three have, and a half. Yeah. You have three and a half, three real reliable ones. And one guy who's putting together good starts and who you're not taking out of the rotation right now. So you can find a way to keep making that work over the next 40 days, because having one weak spot in Kikuchi, could it cost you some games? Yeah, but you're hoping you can overcome a few of them. them. Yeah, and they just won with them. So you're you hoping you can overcome your way into them with Kikuchi on the mound. It's possible. Exactly. There's actually some there's some there's some pretty funny bullpen names on this list. I'm just looking. Anthony Bass, Blue Jays legend. Oof. He's got a 2.08 ERA for the Marlins. Um, another funny one, Carl Edwards Jr., another Blue Jays legend. He was uh, he was in the team last year. Was really bad. He has a 3.44 ERA. Over the course of 18 innings for the Washington Nationals, uh, Jeff Hoffman, who was part of the Troy Tulowitzki trade, is now a not particularly good reliever for the Cincinnati Reds. Danny Jimenez uh, in Oakland is their closer, and he's he was doing very well, but now it seems he's fallen off a cliff a bit. That guy, I think, went back and forth from the Blue Jays to athletics organization like six times. Uh, and then let's see. I think there was another former Blue Jay in here somewhere. No, that's all the... Mm. So four from our Blue Jays there that we could possibly uh, do a round two on. The bullpen arm. Yeah, I want, I want to see him go get it. You can go get two of them for all I care. Get three, get four of them, rebuild the whole damn bullpen. I don't care at this point. Um, I mentioned Gregory Soto on the last episode of the podcast, and uh, he is on this list. But the breakdown of it was that it would take a significant prospect with all star potential to land Soto. He's got a one nine six ERA and 24 appearances with saves in 13 of 14 opportunities. He's a legit impact arm. I wonder, like when it comes to getting bullpen arms, especially with what we've seen from this team, like last year, you didn't have to give up that much to get Richards and Simber. And they came in and they were impactful, right? I know Rowdy Telez is now like great with the Brewers, but (laughs) I mean, at the time you didn't have to give up much. I worry that sometimes going and making the big splash for the bullpen arm feels like a risk that's not worth taking and smart front offices find a way to just pluck the fringe guys and pluck the right fringe guys. No, 
I don't think, yeah, I can't remember a time in which this front office has pulled the trigger on a big trade for a reliever. Like, yeah, I'm, like there's the Rowdy Telez Richards things. Yeah, it looks bad now, but last year Telez was just a guy who couldn't hang on, needed to change his scenery. Like we talked about a minute ago, they gave up nothing for Simber. And then there was the other two acquisitions that was Joaquin Soria. I don't even know who went in return for Joaquin Soria. And it was Brad Hand. And that was, uh, what was it? The catcher was it? Patrick Murphy? I can't remember. It was a, a player on the edge of the forty-nine yeah. roster. So it was. Oh no! It was lot. Riley Adams. Riley Adams. Yeah. The only the only reliever, and I use reliever on quotes that they've gone to acquire that they've given up a lot to get was Ross Stripling. They gave up uh, Ryan Noda and Kendall Williams, who was a second round pick, which is a pretty hefty price to pay. But you're you're essentially paying for a starter. That's what Stripling is. Yeah. Uh, I've never. They've never done it otherwise. So I, I mean, I don't really see them doing it. I think if they're going to pay, they're going to go and pay for a starter. I think they know that that's where the value is. Yeah. Someone who can give you six innings every five days. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Obviously, we'll have a ton of deadline talk here as we lead up closer to the trade deadline uh, coming up next year for the Jays. You talked about it earlier. It is a series against the Chicago White Sox and the White Sox. A bit of an up and down year in a weird way. They are five and five in their last 10. Things went well for a bit, but then they got really, really ugly for the Chai Sox. Um, there's been issues in their dugout, most recently with Lance Lynn. Um, we saw the Jays play them not too long ago as well. And that was a good series for the Jays. Obviously, you walk through there. They swept them beginning of the month slash end of May. Here's to hoping for more of that, even though you're on the road. Yeah, the White Sox have a good starting rotation. You're going to see Lance Lynn. Uh, he just made his first start of the year and went four and one thirds and allowed three runs on 10 hits. So that was kind of ugly, but you know, he's a good pitcher. You could see him potentially bouncing back. And then it's Dylan Cease, who we didn't see in Toronto because uh, he was one of the unvaccinated players. And then Lucas Giolito has been uh, pretty much the race this year. He's been really quite, Oh wait, no, he's actually fallen off. It was the, it was the start against the Jays. I think that kind of knocked him off because when he came into that start, I remember writing about it. He had like a two something ERA. Yeah, here it is. So, Oh, wow. Uh, before wow. the, before the start against the Jays, his ERA across seven starts was 2.63 since then. And including the Jays game where they scored six runs off of him, his ERA has ballooned all the way up to in that stretch, it's 8.71. So his ERA for the season now is up to 4.78. It seems the Jays broke Lucas Giolito. So maybe this series isn't that bad in terms of opposing starting pitching. Yeah, Lynn is probably one of those guys who's just looking to get into form right now. Um, you mentioned his first start of the season was not great. It was not the near Cy Young winner that he was last season. No. Um, so it'll be interesting. The Jays are going with Barrios tonight. They are favorites, courtesy of our friends over at Points Bet Canada, live in Ontario, by the way. They come in at minus 125 on the money line, plus 130 on the run line. Uh, again, hoping for some positive momentum here. It's tough to go out on the road against a team that, you know, is pretty much 500, which the White Sox are. They're two games under right now. Um, it's tough to go out and, and be like, oh, they're, they're sweeping them. I'm hoping for that because I'm hoping the Jays can roll the positive momentum from a big emotional win on Sunday and into a nice little run here. But two or three, right? This is a two or three for us. Yeah, two out of three and bad. That's how I kind of feel about both these series. You're playing the White Sox and the Brewers. The Brewers are 38 and 30. The White Sox are 31 and 33, but are underachieving. They have more skill than that. Yeah. You're happy with four out of six from these games here. Uh, still no Tim Anderson for the White Sox, right? 
That's yeah. As last I saw, Tim Anderson was yeah. still on the injured list. So unless something's changed oh, no. today, uh, I'm just reading here on their website. Tim Anderson will play Monday. All right. Okay. So he's back. Son right of a that's, a, that's, that's a nice, that's a nice boost for them offensively, but the rest of their lineup is doing sweet. Fuck all. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting here. It's eight o'clock Eastern start. So a little bit later this weekend, but, uh, Wednesday is an afternoon game. So I think maybe we could try to Ooh, cursed. Yeah. Cursed. Midweek afternoon game, man. That's why we can't call it a sweep. It's not going to happen. They're playing a fucking afternoon game in the middle of the week. They're, They're going to lose that game. Eight, two. Ah, and the it's wheels just, are going to fall off for Ross stripling. Yeah. That's uh, that's worrisome. Cam. No, like he'll put up, he'll do like four innings, one earned run. And then like Trent Thornton will come in and allow 12 runs or something. <laughs> they won't pull him. They'll like, no, you're staying. You're getting us out <laughs> of this fucking leaves, inning train. Charlie just leaves him out there for the rest of the game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Coombsy, this was good as always. This has been episode 86 of BJN Radio presented by our friends at DoorDash. Promo code BJNPODDD gets first time users of that app. 25% off and no delivery fees. Coombsy, we will talk again on Wednesday. Best wishes. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.